Stand by to receive our transmission. I'm sorry, Dave. I'm afraid I can't do that. That are alive, you are coming with me. The Force will be with you. Always. As God is my witness, I thought turkeys could fly. When it comes to shows about movies and comic books, heroes and crazy news, I tune into BK on the air from 10 to noon Saturdays. Hey, that's me from 10 a.m. to noon today live. Ain't no COVID-19 pandemic going to keep me from being on the air. Now, see, I just jinxed it. Now I'm going to get it. Well, it, want, here, here's my that. bigger worry. I don't care about getting COVID-19. I care about the same dang Skype virus that hit my last guest. Yeah, what's going on? We need a we need a uh, vaccine for that, right? Yeah, what what do you do to stop your PC from turning into a gremlin infested nightmare? In case in case nobody heard it, uh, Alan's Alan's show before mine, waking up with Alan. You should listen to it every morning from uh, Saturday morning from seven at seven a.m. till ten before me. Uh, he was going to have uh, a guest on uh, Ben Ford from across the pond in England, podcaster friend and. Uh, uh, frequent, uh, you, you're on their shows a lot. They're, they're movies by minute shows and <laughs> he couldn't get Skype to, to connect and, and cooperate. There must be a lot of people out there playing games and streaming movies on Netflix and, uh, clogging up the line. You know, what was crazy? We were talking for about two minutes ahead of time. It sounded perfect. Obviously it had to wait for us to go live. I guess there's less people between my broadcast, my COVID-19 safe broadcast area and the studio for there not to be a problem. So I'm, I'm grateful for that. Believe me. Oh, absolutely. All right. Well, let's roll into something. I thought I mentioned this on Bartos Morning News this week. And then this, I think, will be a great launch for you to jump and tell us what's coming up today. There was a oh. marketing survey done within the Cox Media Group. This was all across all the stations, not just talk. They're music stations, whether it's uh, urban, hip-hop, country, rock, top 40, pop, all of their stations, the top four things listeners wanted. They wanted to laugh. They wanted to hear lighthearted stories, too. They wanted information that was something other than COVID, and they wanted to feel like life was normal at least somewhere or at least give them a distraction. Hey, I do that. I thought you'd like that. <laughs> I think that's great. I mean, I try to do that every Saturday from 10 a.m. to noon. And I don't even wait for a pandemic to come around to do it. I just try to do it every Saturday with you and I. That's the important thing. We don't need a pandemic. <laughs> so, We've been doing this. No. Who, who needs COVID-19 to be entertaining? We were doing that beforehand. <laughs> that's right. COVID-19 just makes us more entertaining, but with cleaner hands. <laughs> yes. <laughs> right? Yes. I'm sitting here with my giant Kong size cup of coffee. I'm using my, uh, I broke out the Skull Island Reign of Kong coffee mug that I picked up at Universal, and I've got a big steaming cup of coffee here ready to go. Well, it's better morning. to have a steaming cup than a steaming pile, let's say that. Especially from Kong. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that is one big pile of. That's right. That's one big pile of Kong. <laughs> we may find out how big uh, Kong's pile is once he starts fighting Godzilla here uh, later on this year. I don't know if that's been pushed forward. It may the release date of that movie. Haven't heard any more about it being pushed forward. But we've certainly got that Godzilla versus Kong movie from uh, Universal 
and legendary pictures on the rise, which is going to be fantastic to see those two titans go at it in in today's modern cinema. Unlike the the goofy uh, King Kong versus Godzilla they did in the seventies, this is going to be treated with a lot more seriousness, a lot more action, and uh, they're both a lot bigger. If you noticed, Alan, than they were in the seventies. Now, oh yeah, they keep growing every time we turn around. I'm like, how do their skeletal systems support that much? <laughs> right, and if you. <laughs> I ask, how do my skeletal system support something different? <laughs> the weight that I have, how does it support that? No, they they, they said they did that, and, and I'll get off on the sidetrack here for a second and just continue this. They said they had to do that because buildings and skyscrapers are a lot bigger now than they were in the 60s and 70s, so they didn't want Kong and Godzilla to look up at people on the top floor of the penthouses. They wanted to tower way above the buildings in these big cities now. So they made them gargantuanly bigger. And I think that makes sense, don't you? Yeah, but you know what? I will say one of the things that I enjoyed, it wasn't a great movie. I think a lot of people even panned it, but the Matthew Broderick Godzilla movie that came out from the guys that brought us Independence Day and um, right. uh, and um, other movies like that, um, they, uh, they actually had him smaller than the buildings, and the point was he was hiding in between such tall buildings. There was an element that was kind of cool, but it didn't feel like Godzilla. Right. It felt like just another monster movie, but wasn't Godzilla. I'll agree with you on that. The scenes of the of the choppers and the planes chasing him in that film that you're talking about, the, uh, I think it was 90, was it 98 Godzilla? I can't remember. It's in the 90s, Godzilla. Uh, Roland Emmerich directed. It was, it was cool to see him run in between the buildings. You're right, because he was playing hide-and-go-seek, and as he would turn every now and then, his tail would smack a building behind him, so it actually made it maybe a little more dangerous. Uh, to do that, but it was interesting. He, what was funny is there was a later Godzilla film that came out where Godzilla fought a monster that looked like that version of Godzilla, and he destroyed it in a Japanese version. I guess that was their way of kind of taking a slap at that version and saying, yeah, that, that wasn't really the, the official Godzilla movie. This is the official one. So I thought that was funny. Which is funny because the Godzilla we're talking about, if you remember, they did something with, uh, uh, they were making fun of either... Um, Oh, what was that movie with the the meteor that was going to hit the Earth? Uh, the oh my gosh, with the uh, uh, Armageddon, Armageddon. Armageddon. Yes, and they were making kind of fun of Armageddon with a, a side vendor or something. And uh, I, I don't, maybe I'm getting mixed up and backwards, but I love when movies kind of like maybe put a little Easter egg in there to kind of jab at another film. They do, and sometimes they do it in an interesting way where they just throw things in the background. I had forgotten about this, and there was a movie on the last few days. When I was flipping around on my uh, on my sling, you know, I'm a, we're slingers now. You know that, but don't tell anybody. What's watching, the point uh, of slinging if you're not inviting people? That's right. <laughs> Invite more to sling. Uh, cut that cord. There's a movie called uh, called Soldier with Kurt Russell. I don't know if you've seen that movie yes, or not. It's great, set in the future. Great movie. It's uh, sort of one of those, yeah. little, almost like a B-movie kind of action sci-fi movie, but I loved it. Yeah, I thought it was well done. Kurt didn't get a lot of lines in it. I think he said about maybe nine or 10 words in the film. <laughs> that was about it. He was kind of a uh, walking around in more of a robotic type uh, assassin or whatever that he was a trained assassin. But in the background of that film, in the junkyard on the alien planet that they're on, you, there's a spinner from Blade Runner in the background in that, in that uh, scene. So I'm thinking, Oh, I, they call it not a sequel to Blade Runner. They, they call things when they throw things in movies like that, they call them. They're not a sequel. It's a side cool. A side cool. Yeah, or, they came up. They made up a word, and uh, and like, I like. Oh, it's, it's in the same universe as Blade Runner. I thought that was kind of neat. Yeah, so. I like when they also call it like maybe a side story. Like it's the same universe but completely different characters. 
Right. And I remember the earliest movie of doing that, at least I can remember, is uh, Danny Glover's sequel to Predator, which was Predator 2. He walks aboard the Predator ship at the end of the film, and you can see all these trophies that the Predators have on the wall. And one of them is an, uh, an alien head from Alien. Yeah, that was, on the wall you know, it was end. so funny. That was done as a kind of a joke. I remember seeing a, a back behind the scenes thing. They said, look, we wanted to kind of th- throw a nod to everybody knows the aliens. Look how tough they are. Look how hard they are. Decimate a crew. Uh, you sent the most highly trained space Marines to try to take them out and they had a hard right, time. Right. So we wanted the idea. Look how tough our predators are. One on one can take out an alien. Well, that actually fueled the Dark Horse comic series, which I thought was uh, really good, but it made some really terrible movies. Yeah, and we know they're all 20th Century Fox, so they could do it without paying anybody anything, so they own the rights to everything. Look at that. We've already burned up the first segment. How about that? Yeah, it's good, because I had the slider down. we got five seconds. we got to take a break. It's BKM there. We'll be back with the Golden Rage of TV. We'll return after these announcements. This portion of the show is being brought to you by Ed's Almost Good Beer. Remember, Ed's Almost Good Beer was brewed in God's country when God wasn't looking. fellow classic TV fans, we all know and love the legendary Don Knotts, the five-time Emmy Award winner from The Andy Griffith Show. But did you realize he was also a successful movie star and decorated war veteran? Don's first movie appearance just happened to be alongside his future TV co-star Andy Griffith in the 1958 comedy No Time for Sergeants. In 1963, he had a cameo in one of my all-time favorites, United Artists, It's a Mad, 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 Mad World. After landing a five-film contract with Universal Pictures, he did The Ghost and Mr. Chicken in 1966, The Reluctant Astronaut in 67, The Shakiest Gun in the West in 68, The Love God in 1969, and How to Frame a Fig in 71. He had other memorable roles, such as 1979's The Apple Dumpling Gang and 1998's Pleasantville. Yet one of Don's most enduring roles was 1964's The Incredible Mr. Limpet. In the live-action animated classic, his character becomes a World War II hero as a fish. Well, the fact is Don Knotts participated in the 1945 real-life liberation of the Philippines, bringing home multiple commendations. The list includes a World War II Victory Medal, a four-star Asiatic Pacific Campaign Medal, the Philippine Liberation Medal, an Army Good Conduct Medal, an Honorable Service lapel pin, and most ironically, an Army Marksman's Badge. It appears Deputy Fife only really needed the one bullet after all. This is Pat McCormick with your retro TV trivia from the Golden Rage of TV. You can also find me on YouTube and Facebook at Golden Rage of TV and on Twitter at Golden Rage of TV One. And now back to BK on the Air. You know, I'm almost ashamed to admit that I've only seen one Don Knotts film. Uh, from his early film career, and that's uh, the Ghost and Mrs. Ch- and, and Mrs. Chicken. And Mr. Mr. Chicken. Chicken. Yeah, yeah. That's the only one. That's the only one I've seen. I haven't seen all of his other earlier films, but I I was a big fan of his later movies that he did with Tim Conway and Disney, uh, Apple Dumpling Gang, a lot of other stuff. Because I, as a kid, I watched those in the late seventies. We saw that's the theater. funny. Growing up, before I even knew who Don Knotts was, because we didn't really watch. My, at least my mom and dad didn't watch. 
of the Andy Griffith Show. I remember the ghost of Mr. Limp, um, the ghost of Mr. Excuse me, <laughs> the ghost of Mr. Chicken. Why are we having? Then, we're both having trouble with that time. Da, 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 da. And then the Incredible <laughs> Mr. Limpet. That I loved that as a kid when he turns into the cartoon fish. Right. Um, and then I remember No Time for Sergeants. My dad loved watching any World War II a- era movie, anything that had to do with that. You know, anything whether it was comedy or drama or action. If it was World War II and it was on TV, we were watching it. Now, I did see No Time for Sergeants because he didn't star in that one, but that was a great comedy with him and uh, early comedy with him and Andy Griffith. Uh, what Pat didn't mention, I don't think he did, was uh, he went on to star as a – well, star not star, but uh, co-star in the TV show the Three's Company as Mr. Furley, the new landlord for them on Three's Company when the Ropers left. You remember that? I sure do. Yeah, I was a huge Three's Company fan watching uh, growing up as a kid. D- didn't quite figure out why, and then later I go, oh, now I know why. <laughs> Well, it's just the same reason we like Benny Hill, you know? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> For the comedy. He didn't know. It was funny. Yeah. <laughs> By well, the way, our dad liked I yeah, did right. not know all of the war accommodations that Don Isn't Knotts that received. I knew he had served. This was the fir- I am this many years old that I learned that he was part of the of the liberation of the Philippines and all of those accommodations, including his marksman badge. Right, which is so funny because on the Andy Griffith show, he he's had so many accidents with his gun. And he's only allowed to keep one bullet in his pocket in the Andy Griffith show as the deputy Barney Fife. He won't let him load it because every time he loads it, he winds up firing it off in some accidental <laughs> fashion, which I think was a big probably joke to him, which was great. You know, so I funny? guess we shouldn't mix up a person's character with the char- with the person oh, they really no. are. That's right. Hey, we've got I, somebody. I his war we've got somebody joining us by phone on BK on the air. We didn't even have to give out the number yet, or maybe we did, and I just missed it. But let's go to the phone lines and say good morning. You're on the air, BK on the air. Who's this? It's Bart. Hey, Bart, welcome to the show. I got a question for you. You're talking about No Time for Sergeant. Was Don Knotts in that? Yes. He was a small what? part, and that was the very first time he worked with Andy Griffith. It okay. Because uh, I remember the guy that played uh, Johnny Yuma, the Rebel thing. He was, uh, you know, he, he and uh, Andy Griffith were the main pair. I just didn't remember Don Knotts being in that movie. I guess it was such a small part. Yeah, if you listen, and you may have missed the very beginning there, the golden rage of TV. Uh, he said it was the very first pairing. It was a very small role, but uh, it ended up getting him and, and Andy Griffith together, and they would obviously become a, a duo when it came to the Andy Griffith show. Yeah, well, I just had jumped back in my truck from I was out on the jogging trail, and I just jumped back in, and, and it was actually just ending uh, when you guys started talking. So I'm sorry about that, but I just was curious. I just didn't remember. No, no, it's okay. You know what? It's we have while we're sheltering in place. Maybe see if you can find the uh, No Time for Sergeants and give it a watch, and then see if you can spot when Don Notch because he's a lot younger looking when you see him in that movie than what we're maybe used to. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's good. And by the way, Ghost and Mr. Chicken. I saw that movie 39 times. I was the projectionist when I was in uh, college at one of the theaters. That that movie came, and it was a change. And so I saw it for two weeks or listened to it mostly. Then they moved me to another theater, and guess what? It came there, too. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> I, I, I couldn't watch that movie again at, at the point of a gun. I'd have to pass out. Hey, John, we, when you do watch No Time for Sergeants, uh, Don Knotts plays Corporal John C. Brown. He is in it. It's a small role, so if you watch it again, uh, okay. just be on the lookout for him. You can't mistake oh, his face. I, I will, yeah, I will be doing that. But uh, Yeah, anyway, I just uh, I just heard that, and, I, uh, you know, and I'm just trying to run through my mind. What was the guy that played uh, Johnny Yuma, the Rebel? Uh, that was Nick Adams that played the Rebel. Johnny Nick Yuma. Adams. Yeah. Yeah, was, wasn't he in No Time for Sergeant 2? Yeah, Nick Adams played Private Ben Whitledge. 
That's it. Yeah, he was the other main character. Okay. Well, I, at least I'm. Uh, at least I did get one of them right. So. <laughs> All right. Bart, thanks for calling in and thanks for listening. Yeah. Keep, keep safe, right. buddy. Enjoy Bye-bye. it. Yes, sir. Bye. Another old movie with Andy Griffith. Uh, we're talking about Andy Griffith as well. A Face in the Crowd. If you've never seen the old movie called A Face in the Crowd uh, that Andy Griffith, I think he should have won an Academy Award for. He's not just Sheriff Andy Taylor on The Andy Griffith Show. This He's had a lot of different roles where he's played the bad guy, believe it or not, in a lot of movies. But check out uh, check out A Face in the Crowd. You won't be disappointed. Alan, did you know that we're talking about Don Knotts. Did you know that there's two cases where, and I know there's more than two, but the only two I can remember as far as Emmy Awards, because Emmy Awards are given out for television shows. They're like the, the Academy Awards of television. Don Knotts won an Emmy for uh, Andy Griffith, but Andy Griffith never did win an uh, Emmy Award for Andy Griffith's show. Really? Well, yeah, you know, sometimes that happens when you play the side character, the quirky right. character, uh, and maybe even the bad guy. Sometimes those stand out versus the star who's basically in everything. You, you tend right. to overlook them. Another case, uh, The Honeymooners with Jackie Gleason. You would have thought Jackie Gleason was an Emmy Award winner. He was not. He did not win an Emmy for, for the, Jackie, the Jackie Gleason show or The Honeymooners. But Art Carney, Norton, Norton did win an Emmy Award for The Honeymooners. There's another case. Oh, and you can't argue that Art Carney wasn't worthy of it. I just can't believe Jackie Gleason didn't get one. Right. Art Carney won an Academy Award, too. People may not remember. He was in a movie in the early 70s called Harry and Tonto, where he was an elderly man getting old, facing his uh, the end of his life. You know, everything's winding down in his life. And he had a cat that he'd had for many, many years. And the cat was old. He had to put it down. It was very emotional, which that would be hard to watch anyway for us animal lovers. Alan and I know what that's like. And uh, it's, a, it's a very poignant scene when he does that. But Art Carney won an Academy Award for his poor performance in uh, Harry and Tonto. Tonto was the name of his cat in the film. And not a lot of people have heard of that film but it's a great performance and a great movie if you ever get a chance to watch that one there's a there's a binge watching recommendation i can give you right there harry and tonto with art carney and if you've never seen it you should watch it i prefer the lone ranger and tonto but sure i'll give it a go yeah i don't even know if clayton moore won an emmy award for for the lone ranger so uh, hey i do remember that he was sued when uh, in 1981 do you remember in 1981 when that that movie came out the legend of the lone ranger i think that's i think that's eric our caller Eric, one of his favorite films with Clinton Spilsbury, the guy's only credit uh, was for playing the Lone Ranger. They made a 1981 movie called The Legend of the Lone Ranger. It had Christopher Lloyd was in it as Butch Cavendish and Jason Robards played the president in it. So it had some pretty good things about it, but didn't do very well. It flopped. John Barry did the, the music for it. The, Clayton Moore was still doing appearances when that movie was coming out as the Lone Ranger, you know, to, to sign autographs like a lot of classic tv stars do and the producers of that film sued him and said hey you cannot you cannot appear in public anymore as the lone ranger and sign autographs uh because that's an infringement on copyright laws it was a big controversy and it was a big public relations flop for them and i think it was reversed because it it cost them a lot of pr for that when they did that to him wow that's... i don't know if you ever heard of that or not i I, I think you may have mentioned that once upon a time uh, the nice thing about this show and uh, your show is you can always circle back around to something because chances are we've all forgotten what you already said. <laughs> I know I forgot about it. So everything old is new. Hey, I always said when if I if I suffer from Alzheimer's when I get older, I told my wife, please just hang a Superman costume in my closet. <laughs> that way, that's who I, I was. I remember who I am, and I'll forget, and I'll see it again later, and that'll be great. So I was a uh, Superman. <laughs> that's right. Ha, 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 ha.
Hey, we're coming up on another break. We're burning through this show like crazy. It's BK on the air. I'm glad everybody's out there uh, listening, and we're going to take a break. It is. We're approaching uh, the bottom of the hour, so when we come back, we're going to flash the audience with the news, the weird, the strange, and the bizarre. I'm feeling kind of groovy here. I think since I'm at home, you're more dancing. Here, I'm going to dance. I'm glad you're there. Boy, boy if you could see me <laughs> on the Skype camera, you'd be amazed. No, 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 no. I got it off. BK <laughs> on the air. A little nonsense now and then is relished by the wisest men. You are listening to BK on the Air on AM 1450, FM 100.3, and online on the TuneIn radio app. Now, back to a guy who'll make you feel really young, mostly because he's so old. It's BK on the Air. Well, you know, I did it again. I did it again yesterday. Stupid mistake. You know how we were talking a couple weeks ago about the stupid mistakes that we made. I did the, uh, forgot to put the water in the coffee machine and you got locked out of the studio. You know, that kind of story. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm thank you for bringing it back up. Yeah. That's, that's one I'm thing sorry. I can't, I apparently one thing I don't <laughs> <Sorry>. forget. <laughs> it was almost out of your mind. Till I brought, well, that's what I do. Remember I bring things back up like the memories and the past and things in the cobwebs of your mind. I did it again yesterday. Let, let's just say this, please, whatever you do, don't put salt in your cup of coffee <laughs> because you don't like salty you know, coffee. I, no, I mean, I, it, it, I would start a new trend, but it's not a very good trend. I didn't like it. Sometimes when we, uh, uh, my wife will consolidate things in the cabinet and put it in a container, and she'll know what it is. It's just by the container it's in. She, you know, if, if there's a little bit of if there's a little bit of salt left in, in a container, she'll put it in, a, in either a plastic baggie or a, or a smaller container to keep it sealed, or sugar or something different, or sweetener, whatever whatever that white powdery stuff. You know, that looks like that, you know, so I, I just reached up there. I'm like, oh, OK, there's a little bit of sweetener there. I'll put it in my coffee and I took a big took a big sip. I'm like, that was not sugar. <laughs> that was that was salt. So that was my stupid mistake yesterday that I did. And uh, that's not as bad as some of the others I made. So but if that's <laughs> yeah. the only one I make. You know what? That bad. is one I'll never make because I drink mine black as the night. So I don't have to worry about that. But I have done plenty of other dumb, boneheaded things in my life. Why don't we just devote a whole two hours to that in the, in the future? If this COVID shelter in place continues, we'll just do. I know we did a couple of stories to make people laugh, but we might set a whole, set aside at least an hour or something just in and out, just just to just to talk about them from day one of our lives to the present. You I know think what's so funny? Do you remember that old uh, Saturday Night Live routine with Billy Crystal when they were talking about things like, "Oh, I hate when that happens." You know, like you ever right. have like a, yeah. you put a meat thermometer in your ear and you start whacking it with a ball peen hammer? Yeah, yeah, you know, I hate when <laughs> yeah. that happens. Who does we, that? Yeah. We could have one of those with, "Oh yeah, you think that's dumb?" How about this? <laughs> you ever shot a tick? You got off your dog with a BB gun and the BB pops back up your nose? Yeah. I did that as a kid once. Let, remind me to tell you a little bit more about it. I think I have before. Well, it's that time that we always like to call when we... <laughs> Whoa. Applaud the audience. Applaud the audience. <laughs> we the audience got excited there that we're about to flash the audience. That's fantastic. I mean, we got to, we, we, our, our, our audience is COVID free. Don't worry about our audience. Our, our audiences are, our audience are androids. They, they don't catch the, the COVID virus. We have the androids from Blade Runner, so they're totally safe. Well, Tay, do me a favor. Take this first news. 
with a grain of salt, and believe me, I've had enough salt for you to use. Given our last story. Um, this is from UPI. I, 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 this, I'm suspect of this story. A viral video filmed in India captured a monkey engaging in an activity not known to be common for its species. Now, wait just a minute. Now, get your mind out of the gutter. Well, no, 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 because that would be common for its species. Well, that's true, but uh, <laughs> I guess how he did it would be more oh, appropriate. Oh, I'm interested yeah, now. Um, no, this monkey was flying a kite. Shut the front door. Wait, wait, wh- uh, what? <laughs> Were you taking a sip there? I was. Or I catch off guard? Yeah. Sorry, that was uh, a, a host video, foul. <laughs> a, a video tweeted by an Indian Forest Service officer, Susanta Nada, shows the small primate holding on to the string and reeling in the flying kite. The monkey catches the kite as it finally reaches the rooftop where the animal was perched. Quote, evolution happening fast due to lockdown, Nanda joked in the post. The exact location of the video was where it was filmed was unclear. And when you see the video, you can search for it on YouTube, uh, monkey flying a kite. You can see it out there. I don't know. It could... You know, special effects and, and manip- video manipulation now is getting so good where I can't really tell. I'm like, oh, is, that could be true. But you know what? The stranger things have happened than, you know, a monkey flying a kite. So I could probably believe that in some situation. So, you know, I'm saying take I would that say, with some suspicion. I would go on the flip side and say uh, show a picture of a normal, healthy, like maybe 14-year-old boy and then say after uh, a month of lockdown, this is him flying his kite. Right. I, now, now, someone said, here's a video of a person putting back the toilet paper that they hoarded at the grocery store on the shelf. I would more be suspect of that than I would of this. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Oh, that video's fake. There's no way they'd put the toilet paper back. There's no way. Not at this. So, yeah. Well, hey, I've got the next news. It's uh, Unless you've been living under a rock, at least, at least in the southeast United States, you know we had a lot of severe weather this last weekend, and we may have some more on the horizon uh, this Sunday as well coming our way. Well, this story from UPI talks about just that. A Georgia man whose diploma was among the objects carried away by a tornado was reunited with the document after it was found 30 miles from his home. Here's another one of those weird tornado stories, and there's a lot of them. Kelvin Duke said his School diploma was packed away in a box inside one of three barns in the backyard of his Upson County home when the tornado swept through the area this past Monday morning. The house was left standing, albeit, you know, severely damaged when the tornado left the area, but all three of the barns were destroyed, Duke said. He also states he was surprised to later receive a text from a friend, and, and he, it, it's, that's even weird, too, a friend is calling him about it saying his diploma had been found 30 miles away from his house. The document had come to a rest near I-75 in Monroe County in Georgia. Quote, uh, it wasn't crumpled. It was white as snow. I didn't even look at it. It didn't even look like it had been in that tornado, Duke's daughter, Summer, stated. So there's another weird tornado story, and there's a lot of them about sparing certain things and destroying other things. You've heard those before. Yeah. Did you see the story about the whole house, the entire house stayed intact and was moved off its foundation into the middle of a state highway? Yeah, they were calling that uh, straight out of the Wizard of Oz, yeah. <laughs> I thought that was crazy. Nah. How can it? How can that happen? I've, I've had cases where I've heard uh, neighbors growing up in Alabama, uh, a tornado would move through, and they're like, yeah, it, it hit the house next door, took its roof off, uh, and everything. But my house next door, every plant I had hanging from my front porch was there, and I didn't get – I hardly – I didn't get any – I didn't get touched. And that's, that's so amazing when it comes to 
a, a force of nature like a tornado, which, which can actually drive, you know, a two by four through a tree and it's still sticking there when the storm's over. Right. And, no, that's and why like I that. said it even this morning, you know, these storms for us and maybe uh, here in the Bartow County area may not be as strong as last Sunday. But anytime there's a there's a thunderstorm activity, you've got to be paying attention. Mother Nature can play tricks on us. And uh, we're we're familiar with it. I don't know. I guess they were little. You had problems like that. They had tornadoes in Michigan, right? Where you grew yes, up? Yes, yes, they did. <laughs> I don't think there's one state that's tornado free, but I know they they appear in a lot more places more frequently than others. I know the mid the Midwest and the West actually has them more than the Southeast. We think we have the the corner on the tornado market, but we don't. Out west, they have some some really nasty ones. I've got one more news, <laughs> and they go crazy again. Sorry, you said one more. I thought they were all, like, excited. <laughs> they were excited. You didn't do that. They did it. From UPI, an Australian fitness buff muscled his way to a Guinness World Record where he completed a certain amount of push-ups in just one hour. Alan, would you like to guess how many push-ups this guy did in just 60 minutes? In 60 minutes. I could maybe knock out 1,000. You could do 1,000? Really? Holy cow, that's pretty good. In an hour, <laughs> as yeah. long as I get rest. You have to take some breaks, right? Yeah, this guy did two thousand eight hundred and six in one hour. I could not, I could not even come close to that. <laughs> I thought that, I thought that was amazing. They announced that Jared Young is the new world record holder for the most push-ups in one hour after he submitted video evidence to the record-keeping organization showing him completing that many repetitions of an exercise in a single hour. Now, Young performed the feat at the Matrix Boxing Gym in Queensland. And he beat the previous record, which held uh, by Calton Williams of Wales in 2017. Calton did 2,682. I guess somebody's going to come along eventually and break that uh, 3,000 mark. That's really hard. You know what? I just redid the calculation in my head. I could probably do maybe between six and 700. I, 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 for some reason, I, I did it wrong in my head how many I can do at once. Because I can do, I used to be able to do 100 at once. Now I do about 60 at once. Uh, yeah, that's going to be tough to get more than 600 in. And he did how many? 2,800? Yeah, he did 2,806 in an hour. That's ridiculous. I could do I could do a few in an hour. Not, not anywhere near what he did or you did. I could do a lot more uh, in that hour time if there's some french fries down there on the floor below me. And I could pick up a french fry on the way back up. I got three more news flashes. When we come back, we're going to take a break now. It's BK on the air. Stay tuned. I got three more great ones coming up. Right, the toy that lets you create beautiful pictures with light. Work with colorful pegs that glow with light, light bulb not included. Make people, animals, things, and with refills, Bugs Bunny or Bozo the Clown. You can make lots of pretty pictures with Light Bright from Hasbro. And now, back to a guy who thinks William Shatner deserves an Academy Award. It's BK on the air. We were talking about Emmy Awards earlier. There's another guy who's won an Emmy. William Shatner won an Emmy for uh, Boston Legal. So uh, he did. He's, he won an Emmy Award. Now, you know, I, he could win an Academy Award. That wouldn't be, you know, sad if he did that, you know. Nothing wrong with that. I don't know what that. he'd win it for, though. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. What would he do at this point? I mean, Price you know what's amazing? Com commercials, maybe. I don't know. You know what's amazing <laughs> is how age affects each of us differently. 
he is as sharp and as witty and as conversational as ever. And there are people that are 15 years his junior who can't keep up. There are people sometimes 30 years his junior that can't keep up. Did you know he's in his early 90s? I know. And that, that gives me hope for us <laughs> if we get older, you know, we do what we're supposed to do. Of course, you know, he's got probably got a, I don't know, a personal trainer, a personal doctor. He makes millions of dollars, so he's got access to a lot more than we have access to, like most celebrities do but uh but i'd love to be able to be that with it and that uh that spry and that alert you know some people will get older and you say oh that person you know what you know what you mean when you when you use the term that person acts old you can tell they're really old well right. he doesn't and a lot of stars that got that have gotten older have, have been that way he does not sound if you meet him and don't know who he is and you ask him how old he is and he tells you you'd go no way get out of here I, I yeah exactly. He does not in any way uh, look like he's in his early nineties, and it's just it's incredible. Some people they just have that the genetic structure and the leading a, maybe a decent life. But I know one of the big things to keep your brain intact: constant, constant reading, puzzles. Don't just settle in and just do nothing but watch TV all day. You got to constantly exercise the brain, right? And listen to the show. Well, we, hey, we exercise your brain because it takes you all that much effort to figure out what we're talking about. That's right, because <laughs> we. You mess up you don't have to and we're listening you're listening to us we'll do the messing up for you and messing up well i've got uh, another news in fact i've got two more this is one of two a maryland police department shared a cryptic warning to a local resident who apparently has a habit of checking their mail without pants during the coronavirus <laughs> lockdown pants optional no shirt no yeah. shoes no service pants optional the Taney Town Police Department posted a reminder to its Facebook page that appears to be specifically aimed at an unnamed resident. The post serves as a reminder that despite the COVID-19 pandemic, some dress code, code rules remain in effect. Quote, please remember to put pants on before leaving your house to check your mailbox. You know who you are. This is your final warning, unquote, the post stated. What is, and I'm thinking, what does the COVID-19 got to do with it? Does this person think that it's okay to go out without pants because we're on a lockdown pandemic? That, that, that doesn't make any sense. I don't know, but I don't know if you heard this. A lot of the courts are having these uh, teleconference court hearings, and one judge went on, uh, I think it was one of the national uh, radio network news outlets, and said, you know, I appreciate we're all doing Zoom meetings, but I'd rather you get out of bed and get dressed for the court hearings. <laughs> so, <laughs> apparently some attorney was filing Jack. his brief from That's bed. Hilarious. <laughs> Filing his briefs in his brief. Hey, in his hey, briefs. Yeah, I didn't even think about that. <laughs> well, you know, what's funny is uh, I, I saw a story somewhere in the United States. God, I can't remember where it was. Uh, a lot of teachers, you know, are doing online teaching with uh, with Zoom and, and whatnot. And, I, you know, to be honest, I didn't even know what Zoom was until this whole thing started. I knew what Tango was and and uh, and uh, Apple uh, iPhone FaceTime and a lot of other things you could use for that and, and live Facebooking when you can see somebody talk. But I'd never heard of Zoom before, and a lot of people know what that is now. Um, the kids were, were, were online, you know, and when you're doing Zoom, there's a lot of think people on the screen at the same time talking to the teacher. Well, this one kid just takes his laptop, walks as the classroom teaching's going on, walks right into the bathroom, starts taking a, a, a crap right, right, right <laughs> during the Zoom. The kid does. <laughs> now, this is a small well, you didn't want to miss elementary. out on the lecture. <laughs> this is right. This is elementary school. You know, you can, he's a young kid, so he wasn't really thinking. So I thought that was funny, too. So a lot going on. That we're all going to look back and laugh, I mean, maybe laugh about it now. We're going to laugh more a few months down the road. I have the last news, and it is kind of COVID nineteen related to utility officials in Florida 
Florida County are reminding residents not to flush wet wipes down the toilet after all four of the wastewater facilities pumps clogged at the same time. Ooh, that's not good. Oh, no. The Palm Beach County Water Utilities Department said in a Facebook post that all four pumps at the organization's wastewater pumping facility in Boca Raton ended up clogging up at the same time for the first time ever in history. The post blamed the clogs on increased use of wet wipes. Quote, it took a team of three utility mechanics to disassemble and reassemble the pumps in order to remove the compacted wipes. The department said residents who find themselves low on toilet paper amid shortages from the COVID-19 pandemic wackos that bought the toilet paper. I added that part. I should remember that all wet wipes, including those labeled flushable, should be thrown in the trash and not disposed of in the toilet. Because even though they are flushable, they're not considered so when you do it all at once. Yeah, and they don't break uh, apart like toilet nice. paper. Toilet paper is meant to kind of almost uh, dissolve and, and kind of become almost uh, just – toilet paper is engineered. And actually, I hear, I've heard a lot of people from even our own water department, the uh, thicker, fatter, almost fluffy, cottony type toilet paper is causing yeah. problems because it won't deteriorate as much as like the thinner, maybe less comfortable toilet paper. You you seem like you're having trouble finding a word for it. What it dissolves into, I think that you could just simply say, "Yeah, dissolved toilet paper just dissolves into something you know resembling dissolved toilet paper." There we go. We'll just that's probably <laughs> that's all safer. I can think of. <laughs> so, so yeah. So there's another story about uh, something something happening due to the due to the uh, current pandemic that's going on worldwide. And speaking of that, I got out. Uh, we're still getting out in our neighborhood and walking around a lot because we can't really go anywhere else. This is something weird. You can't even. This is something that's going on, but you can't. It's almost like you can't go anywhere to escape it. <laughs> you know, it's like right. I want to go to the park. No, I can't because the park's closed. I want to go do this. I, at least you know something's going on. I, something's going on at my house. I can't be at my home, so I'm just going to go eat dinner somewhere. Well, you can, but you have to just take it to go. You can't go into a dining room anywhere yet. At this time, you can't do it. So it's just like it's like I told I told her last night while we're walking in our neighborhood. It's like we're in this big, you know, the snow globes where you have a little scene in a little house or whatever in a snow globe. It's like our snow globe is it's just it's nothing's happening. We're still moving, but time in the snow globe has stopped. (laughs) We can't. Everything's on pause. Right. We're all on hold. Hey, we've got somebody who's, right. who wants to join in the program. We've got somebody dialing in as we've still got just All a few right. minutes to the top of the hour. Let's go to the phones and say, good morning. You're on the air with BK on the air. Who's this? This is Barbara. Barbara. I want to tell you about my aunt. All right, go for it. When I was young and growing up, uh, I had an aunt who was my mother's older sister. She was a retired school teacher. Well, everybody thought she was nuts because way back then in the 40s she would not eat fried foods everything had to be baked and that cooked a certain way she lived to be 102 oh wow so uh, she realized that there was something about maybe eating a little bit more healthy even before it was a trend absolutely and can i tell you something else that's funny Sure. Well, we'll we'll decide if it's funny. No, go ahead. <laughs> About her and her husband. Her husband owned a store. Well, her son, uh, she had an only son, only child. He went away to college. And guess who went with him? My aunt and her husband. Really? They went to college together? Like they, they wow. decided to enroll at All the same time? All three of them. Wow. All three of them. That is awesome. 
my uncle sold a store. My aunt gave up teaching. They went to the University of Georgia with their only son. That is wild. So I'm assuming neither one of them had a college degree, so they all got their degrees at the same time? Uh, no, my I know my aunt had a college degree because she was a teacher. Oh, I didn't know. Depending on the on that time, if you needed a college degree or if you just needed some courses, but still, even going back then for something separate or even just for the fun of going, that's wild. I would, lo- you know, I would love to do that. Hey, Barbara, wow, thanks awesome. so much for calling and sharing that with us. We appreciate it. Okay. Okay. Take Bye. care. Bye-bye. Because cool cool story, yeah. Bye bye. I love it when our show evokes people's memories of things in their own lives. Right, and that's another thing that I always like doing. I wanted to tell Barbara she's still listening. I I don't think I'm going to make it much longer because. I think my parents, I started eating fried foods as an infant. They would put uh, fried chicken in a blender for me and put it in my bottle. So I've been, I've been, I've been taking fried food since I was uh, a baby. So <laughs> I don't think I'm going to go as long as that, eating fried. You know, if that lady, you know, she said avoided fried foods, right? Right. Fried everything, including fried bottled milk. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. <laughs> you can fry everything now. Deep fried Twinkies, uh, Snickers bars, deep fried Oreos. Well, I think everything, you can deep fry anything and it'll make it good. You're like, you know, I don't really like black licorice. Well, deep fry it. <laughs> Maybe. You know what? That may be the one exception. <laughs> yeah. That, I'll, I'll, eat, I'll eat the batter off the outside, but I'll leave the go. licorice <laughs> on the inside. <laughs> most, the richest, most, like, I thought it was so good with bite one, but I'm glad I only got one, was a deep fried Oreo. It was so good, but by the time I finished oh, wow. my first one, I was like, I can't eat another one. I'll just be sick all night. That's crazy. See, I've heard them doing that, and I did, and, and, and had not had a chance to try one yet. Uh, they've even some of the amusement parks. I don't know if Disney World or Universal does it because I haven't really looked for it. Sells deep fried uh, soft drinks like deep fried Coca Cola and deep fried uh, Mountain Dew, deep fried Pepsi. Oh man! Why don't you just say I don't want to live another ten years? <laughs> That's what I just yeah I said that earlier. You're right. Just eat that. But you know what? I'll go with a smile on my face eating what I wanted to eat. There's one good thing about it, I guess. Meet down there. We're going to take a break here at the top of the hour. Oh, at the bottom of the hour. Look out. I'm no, we're at the top. top. We're at the top no, already. We're at the top? Okay, yeah. See, I, I shouldn't have doubted myself. It's Meet down there. We're going to take a break at the top of the hour. And when we come back, we'll have more fun. And we'll hear from Channel Star Wars. The folks at Channel Star Wars telling you all about the world of Star Wars. May the Force be with us. Stand by to receive our transmission. I'm sorry, Dave. I'm afraid I can't do that. That are alive, you are coming with me. The Force will be with you. Always. As God is my witness, I thought turkeys could fly. Greetings to all of our comrades on Mandalore. It's time for Star Wars Daily Weekend Edition, brought to you this week by Cray's House of Cutlery, Geometric Shapes, and ChannelStarWars.com. Star Wars news for Star Wars fans by Star Wars fan. Smoother than a praying mythosaur, I'm your host, Mike Mann. I got a really good feeling about this. This week brings us a lot of news in the Star Wars universe involving some of the fiercest warriors, the Mandalorian. First, in this week's episode of Star Wars, The Clone Wars, we see the continuation of the reunion of Mandalorian Bo-Katan 
and ex-Jedi Ahsoka Tano. As presented to Lady Tano in last week's episode, the two both have a common enemy who has resurfaced in the form of none other than Darth Maul. Now Bo-Katan wants Ahsoka to contact her estranged Jedi friends, Anakin Skywalker and Obi-Wan Kenobi, to bring about a Republic response to Maul, his organized crime running, and ruining the planet. Will the ex-Padawan decide to contact her old masters? Will Bo-Katan double-cross Ahsoka? Is Maul secretly a master barbecue grillsmith? Most of these answers can be found streaming on Disney+. Plus. Uh-huh. Next, we found out this week that a behind-the-scenes documentary series about the Mandalorian will be dropping in time for May the 4th. The eight-episode series will take us behind the camera during filming by John Favreau himself. While we will be waiting until the fall for season two of Den Dejarin and crew, this is definitely a nice treat to make the time pass. Keep posted to Star Wars Daily Weekend Edition and Disney Plus for further details. What? Oh, hell no! And last up this week, while all things are delayed indefinitely due to COVID-19, the mouse is still focused on prepping for the future Cassian Indoor series. This week it was announced that Stellan Skarsgård from Avengers fame, yeah, we're looking at you, Feige, and Kyle Soler from HBO's Brexit, both were cast to unnamed roles. Channel Star Wars would like to note that with Soler's addition, this is the second time within the month that Disney has bordered relatively unknown names following Joby Harold as director of the Obi-Wan Kenobi series. What the whoopers? There's definitely some big things coming our way, as the mouse wouldn't just take chances like these without knowing something. We will be waiting as patiently as possible. That's all the time we have. Make sure to check back next week for all the latest and greatest in Star Wars. And for ChannelStarWars.com, I'm Mike Mann reminding you to go catch up on some Star Wars. It'll only take 22 and a half hours to watch all the movies. Yes, this includes Solo and Rogue One. What else are you doing anytime soon? And now back to BK on the air. Thank you, Mike, from ChannelStarWars.com. You know, it's not like I'm in the studio right now. I'm at, I'm broadcasting at home due to this pandemic. And when you're at home, you're not really, it's a little different than in the studio. Alan, you know what I'm talking about. I had to rush back to the uh, to the broadcast table here. <laughs> like thinking, wait a minute, I got sidetracked by doing home stuff. I got to get back and go back on the air after the Star Wars. Uh, you know, that is over. such a, so true when you're doing things remotely or in a different setting. A lot of people are finding it hard to even work from home for that very reason. Yeah, and having clothes on seems to be a problem or going to the bathroom when you're on a a video call (laughs) for some lawyers and some other people. You know, speaking of Star Wars, we are still doing a lot of walking, and I'm telling you right now, I've got every – in my neighborhood right now, I've got every sewer cover, uh, uh, pavement crack, all of that memorized. I know where it all is out there walking around my neighborhood. I've I've even named the trees out there. They all have first names now, the the trees that I see out there on that side. I know we just got back, but we've got somebody else joining the program this morning. Let's go to the phones and say, good morning, you're on the air, BK on the air. Who's this? It's Eric. Um, And I know y'all were talking earlier in the show about what sci-fi movies and TV shows, and I have a really good one that I think y'all might be interested in talking about. Yeah. Um, I'm a really big fan of the the late 1980s sitcom ALF. I mean, have y'all heard of that? Yes, yeah, Alice actually I Linda saw ALF live when it was first airing. <laughs> right, yeah. I mean, I, I know y'all are probably of a certain age where 
y'all remember seeing it in its original run on NBC, but me, on the other hand, I only remember seeing it in syndicated reruns and then a decade later collecting all four seasons on DVD. Yeah, that's a thinly veiled way of saying that we're seasoned citizens, I believe, Alan. Yes, that's correct. <laughs> I think right. he was throwing aspersions to our age. That's right. Alice, Alice ran from 19, I think, 76 to 84. And uh, that's a long run um, for a TV show. 86 to 90, actually. No, he oh, said Alice, not Alf. Oh, I, I, I wasn't, I wasn't familiar with that. Yeah, Alice. I think it's hard sometimes to hear over the internet oh, connection. Did I miss, for, did I miss yeah, he show? was talking the show uh, Alf. Yeah, the guy oh, from Alf, Melmac yeah, okay, who wanted sorry. to eat the ca- the family cat all the time. <laughs> right. I'm sorry. Um, yeah, I didn't. I didn't hear it. I'm sorry. Um, to me, like that that show just for some reason just kind of, you know, got my attention and my imagination because I think Alf really just taught us a lot about ourselves and and taught us that even during like troubling times that it's going to be okay. You know, everybody thought it was a goofy show with a puppet, uh, with an alien as a puppet or whatever, a puppet is an alien. Yeah. And it was, but, you know, it did sneak some of those stories in there uh, woven within its uh, within its run. I, I enjoyed Alf. I don't think I watched it to the end, but I think I watched the first two or three seasons of Alf when it came on. I thought it was funny. I know. We well, watched and- it religiously as a family. It was one of those shows that you, it came out at like 8 o'clock. It was one of the early uh, primetime shows, and you could watch it as a family. Yeah. I actually thought um, it would have been fun if Alf had crossed over with Alice. If Alf, you know, if he went to, if he went to Mel's diner, that, that would be just kind of interesting. <laughs> that would um, be funny. And, and almost eight years ago, I was really stoked when Sony had announced plans to do a motion picture adaptation. It's been almost eight years, but a movie still hasn't been made of it quite yet. But I would just hope that project got installed, or unless they have uh, the power to be like at Warner Brothers Pictures or Paramount Pictures or Universal Pictures. Decided to acquire the rights for Sony if they're not able to commit to it. I would certainly go see that. Well, sure. be patient because in the streaming world of Netflix and everything that's going on, stranger things have happened. There may still yet be an ALF motion picture on the way. Oh, I would really look forward to that. And I'm sure even ALF fans like us would be real happy. Well, how about ALF with the Muppets? He was basically a Muppet anyway. I thought he would he would really fit in with uh, Kermit yeah, but- as, a, as a guest star. <laughs> well, they, they, they managed to, ma- to make, it, make it just as real as we are. And that, that, that's what makes Alf so genuine and unique. That's fantastic. Yes, Alf, I remember it well. That's a great uh, great memory to bring up, great television memory. Excellent. Eric, we got it. we're coming up on a break. Thank you so much for calling back in. We'll talk to you soon, buddy. BK, man, I hadn't thought about Alf for a while, but I was a huge Alf fan, even though I was a little bit older because I had younger brothers. I always tended to watch like the kiddie-type shows maybe or the right. lighter shows longer in my, in my youth because I had younger brothers, and a lot of times we would just watch that stuff together. And you know what? Deep down, a little bit of wholesome fun isn't a bad thing. And for a while there, I was ashamed uh, when I was younger to admit that I watched Al. And I'm like, now when I got older, I'm like, yeah, I watched Al. You know, I don't care what you think. I thought it was funny. I just admit it. (laughs) Be going here. We're going to come back with more. Stay tuned. How many licks does it take to get to the Tootsie Roll center of a Tootsie Pop? The world may never know. And now, back to a guy who has no idea what a call of encroachment means, but he knows what roughing the listener is all about. It's BK on the air.
Oh, that guy sounded familiar. <laughs> I know that guy. I, it sounded familiar to me, too. You know, you know, I said I've been walking around the neighborhood and I've named all the trees. You know, I know them all by on a first name basis now. Uh, when they start talking back to me, though, that's when I know I've been on the uh, shelter in place too long. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> remember, the, remember the Wizard of Oz where she picked the apple off the tree and he's like, hey, what do you think you're doing? What are you doing with that? That, that used right. to scare the crap out of me when <laughs> those trees were so nightmarish. Why did they all sound like the same team? voiceover guys at the Lollipop Gang? Yeah, and they were kind of sound like they were from the east side of Brooklyn or something. Hey, what are you doing? Don't be pulling apples off of me. What are you yeah, doing? Yeah, we represent <laughs> the lollipop kids. <laughs> and they were nightmarish, too. The lollipop guild were things made of nightmares. I tell you, those guys had an attitude. You know, hey, if I thought there was any news. doubt to my needing to be lifted from this shelter in place, I think that segment there just did it. <laughs> Good. <laughs> My job is done. Now I'll go off the air now and end on a high note like some well, TV shows. Do. Got another caller joining us by the via the telephone. This has been a busy phone day. Let's go to the phones and say. I love it. Good morning. You're on the air with BK on the air. Who's this? Hey, what's up, Alan? It's Eric. Hey, Eric. Uh oh. Yeah. Uh oh. Was right. <laughs> yeah. Uh oh. Was right, Mister King. What were you right about this time? Which is rare. No, it's something you did. What did I do? What did I did? We have talked about this. What's that? I have told you on this show before. Don't bring up that dog. Don't move it. Oh, you mean the Lone Ranger and Clinton Spillsbury? Yeah. That. Yeah, that's the one. Three three things with Eric that you don't bring up on your radio show. Clinton Spillsbury, Lone Ranger, Ben Affleck is Batman, and clowns. Am I right? Barry. Yes, I'm right, right? You. I have not missed you. You ha well, I haven't been, been anywhere. I'm still here. <laughs> yeah, I left. You left. <laughs> you left. <laughs> now I get it. Well, now that you're back, hey, I've, we've already mentioned Clinton Spillsbury as a Lone Ranger before this show is over now, which I've got a, a little over half an hour to do it. I'll bring up Clowns and um, Ben Affleck before the show is over, just for you. There, there I just did it. I just brought him up. <laughs> no one likes you. Now, Clinton Spillsbury dressed as a clown. That would have old ramifications, I guess, for you. <laughs> Clinton the Spillsbury has gone as silent. a clown pretending to be Ben Affleck in a biopic. That's right. Riding a horse named Silver. <laughs> named Silver. <laughs> the legend. Great. That's great. Eric is now unconscious. <laughs> Hello? Wait for two weeks and y'all do this? <laughs> it's to welcome you back into the fold. No, no, welcome no, back. no, no, no. It's All right. Well, you know what you're I've returned. And well, then you do this, but no. What is wrong with you? I am glad that you're back, and thanks for calling. Me, it's always good to hear from you. Keep listening. Hey, I got some Marvel news coming up. You want to hear? Hey, yeah, you we got to hear this. We're gonna let you go there, Eric. And thanks for calling in. Yeah, I want to hear some Marvel news because honestly, I need a break. Well, here's a break. There's some Marvel news right here on 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 the horizon. We heard that this was going to happen, but now the director has made it official from Georgia, from Georgia Slater at People.com. Sam Raimi confirms he will direct the Doctor Strange sequel, Doctor Strange in the Multi-Universe. That's it's called fantastic. The multi Multiverse of Madness. That's what it's called. Yeah, I am. That's fantastic. I, well, we both like Sam Raimi anyway. I thought oh, yeah. when he, before the MCU became the popular franchise, I thought he handled, he was the only guy that I thought handled the Spider-Man franchise with Tobey Maguire. He handled it and, so well. 
And there's another kind of an an unintentioned Easter egg that ties in with that. The 60-year-old director behind the original Spider-Man trilogy that we just talked about casually confirmed the exciting news this week referencing a scene from his own Spider-Man 2. Remember the one with Doc Ock? Uh, It was spelled out in the film. In the 2004 movie, Daily Bugle newspaper editor-in-chief J. Jonah Jameson is seen workshopping villainous names for Spider-Man's nemesis, Dr. Otto Octavius, which is his real name. They're trying to think of what to call him for the newspaper. One of his assistants suggests Dr. Strange, and Jameson quips, that name's already taken. He actually said that line. Those lines were spoken in Spider-Man 2. Now, Sam Raimi says, when we had that moment in Spider-Man 2, I had no idea that we would ever be making a Dr. Strange movie. Uh, when he was talking in an interview with ComingSoon.com. Quote, it was really funny to me that coincidentally that line was in the movie. I wish we had the foresight to know what I was going to be involved uh, in the project in the future, unquote. Now, Remy had previously been reported to have taken over as the director of the sequel, and we reported it a couple of weeks ago because it was in all kinds of outlets. And when they when they spread it out a bunch of monks of websites and whatnot, I go, this must be true because it starts – going to reputable places like Variety and some of our bigger websites that are known to get things right. Now, Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness comes four years after Benedict Cumberbatch first played the mystical man in the movie helmed by Scott Dickerson, the director of the first film. Earlier this year, Dickerson announced that he decided to part ways on Doctor Strange in the Multi-Universe of Madness with Marvel Studios citing creative differences. However, he later shared his support for Raimi joining the Doctor Strange family and taking over as director. He had high praise for Sam Raimi, and they must be director pals anyway. Now, Doctor Strange and the Multi-Universe of Madness is set to hit theaters November 5th in 2021, so I don't think any pushback from uh, from the pandemic will affect that movie because that's way uh, next year. That sounds well, great. Well, it depends. It depends how long they continue to delay these because then didn't you say a couple weeks ago Marvel's plan was not to rearrange but to just push everything out so that way it still stays in the order they planned? Right, and I don't know if that I don't know if pushing Black Widow ahead and any any other production ahead is going to affect the Doctor Strange production or whatnot of this new movie. But we'll we'll just have to take a wait and see attitude and see what happens. But but they're still reporting November fifth of next year. What what a great director to take over a character like Doctor Strange and what I hear is an encompassing this new movie uh, being dubbed as like the first superhero slash horror film that's going to be i'm looking even more forward to it now oh absolutely i think the thing i loved about sam raimi when he came into the first uh spider-man franchise the the big thing was how's this quirky kind of b-movie horror action guy gonna handle like true cg and all the stuff that's in the big hollywood blockbuster and you know what he did he relied on the technical people to help him with that and he focused on the character and the drive i'm telling you still to this day Spider-Man 2 with Doc Ock is the single best comic book Spider-Man movie that's been made. The answer is how he was going to handle it was very well, wasn't it? Yes, yes. Magnificently. <laughs> he did a very good job. I mean, the, the Danny Elfman score, the way the movies were put together, you can say what you want about Spider-Man 3 being the weakest of the third, and sometimes the third sequels to a lot of films are kind of the weakest of the third. But I even even if even at, at its most uninteresting, Spider-Man 3 was still a fantastic, fun, popcorn escape reality comic book movie which was which was great i'm i I gravitate more toward the first spider-man with uh, willem dafoe as green uh, goblin but you can't deny that sam raimi's spider-man his take on spider-man with sony was fantastic it certainly was probably the best handled out of the sony properties of all the things they had before marvel kind of was able to take some of that stuff back i would also add that they were also amazing and spectacular
Yes. Yes. As Very well. well done for those folks who ever collected all three of the comic book titles. That was something big that Stanley always liked to do. But did he you ever get caught in the web of Spider-Man? That's right. <laughs> he always wanted to have that description in the title. The, the spectacular Spider-Man, the amazing Spider-Man, the mighty Thor, the incredible Hulk, <laughs> the uncanny X-Men. I mean, if you if you add that extra little uh, thing at the top to describe who they are, the adjective, it always makes it even more powerful, I think. Yeah, but I don't. Yeah, it makes sense because would you just pick up a comic book that said the Spider Man? <laughs> the the Spider Man. Yeah. Now they did have just they would did have a book for a while just called Spider Man with nothing at the beginning. And for a while there, I think Spider Man had four or five titles out at once. He had the Amazing Spider Man, the Spectacular Spider Man. Well, Peter Parker. called Peter Parker. Spider Man and- turned into the Spectacular later on. They dropped the Peter Parker from the title. He had a title called Marvel Team Up starring Spider Man, and then he had just a title just called Spider. Man, and there was the so, web. There was the web of Spider-Man. That was web the of one Spider-Man. that I collected. Actually, I was, that's one of the few series I have from issue one all the way through until I stopped collecting. Oh yeah, the web of Spider-Man. And I'm hoping, I'm hoping, wherever, whatever direction they decide to go with Spider-Man, when uh, when Marvel starts back up, Marvel Studios starts back up with Spider-Man. We're all hoping. I would love. People are asking me, well, what do you want to see them do? Is there a comic book story that's out there floating around that they haven't done yet that you'd like to see them do? Well, hey. Let Sam Raimi pop back over and direct another Spider-Man movie uh, if the new guy's sick of it or whatever, if anything happens. But, but even the guy directing the new Spideys could do it still. I would love to see uh, a Craven the Hunter uh, story return because that he was a very intense, uh, different type of villain for Spider-Man. And I think he'd make for a great motion picture. That'd be a good one. You know, there was a graphic novel. I mentioned this just as the very close of the show last week. It'd be interesting if they're going to bring in some of the Fox properties into the MCU. Why not have the Spider-Man versus Wolverine standalone story? Or Wolverine? He, yeah, that, that that would be fantastic. Uh, I think Mark Ruffalo is, was quoted this week as saying he's still holding out hope for another Hulk solo film and would love to see Hulk square off against Wolverine in some way and then probably wind up teaming up by the end of the film against a bigger Yeah, because there was only one solo Hulk movie and it did not star Mark Ruffalo. <laughs> Right, it was Ed Norton, which I and I, I. It's not a popular opinion, but as far as the the David Banner uh, character goes, uh, I thought Ed Norton had a better uh, better uh, grasp of of Banner in his film, just in his acting style and how Banner truly is in the comic book. Uh, I just preferred him over Ruffalo, and I li- would like to have seen him stay. Uh, but he, I understand that uh, Ed Norton wants to retain a little bit too much control over a movie that yeah. he's in, and they weren't really willing to really relinquish that to him. But he was a better he was a better banner. But I still like Ruffalo. He's, he's got a great take on the character as well. Ruffalo worked well as in the ensemble. I do think I'm agree with you. Ed Norton as a standalone story managed to hold that character. I think I thought I thought he was better. But you know, eh, maybe maybe Ruffalo's grown into the part at this point. Well, that's good. We're going to take a break at the bottom of the hour. We still have another 30 minutes or so to mention clowns and uh, and a lot of other things that Eric doesn't like. So we'll see if we can do that. Go take a break. When we come back, an actor passed away this week that we're going to talk about. There was a lot of things and some things you may have never heard of, including First Blood. Be down there. Stay tuned. Ring around the collar. Ring around the collar. Those dirty rings. You try soaking them out and scrubbing them out, and you can still come out with... Now, try Whisk. Whisk out cleans any other laundry product because it sinks in and starts to clean before you start to wash. 
gets even permanent press collars really clean. You won't hear ring around the collar with whisk. to BK on the Air on AM 1450, FM 100.3, and online on the TuneIn radio app. Now, back to a guy who'll make you feel really young, mostly because he's so old. It's BK on the Air. Hey, we were talking about William Shatner earlier in his early 90s. I'm not so old compared to, to Bill, I guess. You know, are we, Alan? No, no, we're not. We're not Shatner old. <laughs> no, but 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 if we make it into our <laughs> we we make it into our nineties, we'd like to be that uh, spry and with it, you know. I certainly would. Guess what? We've got another phone call. Oh, they just hung up. Uh-oh. I was saying we had another Thought phone call did. coming in. We'll see if they'll, if they'll call back. Oh my gosh, we have been just people. Okay, that's how bad. We if, if we needed another sign that we've got to get reopened, we've had more callers this episode than any shows combined. You know, that's fantastic. And and believe it or not, I think that we see a light at the end of the tunnel when the, when everybody starts talking about reopening in America, starting starting stages coming up and in, 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 in stages doing that. I think that there's definitely uh, there's light coming up. Uh, there's no dementors at the end of this tunnel. It's a light coming at us and it's not a train. It's the true light coming toward us to uh, to get us out of this, I think. Yeah, the, 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 the approach and I did it on my show. We covered it in Bartos Morning News late Friday because it had just come out Thursday night. Uh, or excuse me, early thir- early Friday morning, the phased approach makes sense. We had a phased lockdown. If you remember, we were able to still do our normal things because we thought, hey, everything's normal. And then they said, well, maybe keep it to 50 or less in your party, but, you know, everything's still okay. Then it was like, hey, 10 or less, and let's maybe start keeping a little distance. And then it was, nope, shelter in place. Well, it's going to be the exact opposite on the rollout. Well, I know that we're going to be talking about this, and I'd like to do this day in history right now because there's a lot to talk about on this day in history. And we will re- we'll be reporting in the future on this day in history in a future report about the pandemic virus of corona COVID-19 breaking out. So I'm looking forward to, to, to reporting that as a day in history, which means it's behind us. But today is April the 18th, this day in history, 1924, Metro Pictures, Goldwyn Pictures, and Louis B. Mayer Company merged to form what company alan i would guess that would have to be mgm oh that was easy that was cool you're right 1964 no studying that's that's right and the roar of the lion 1964 the ford mustang was formally introduced on this day in 1964 there's an iconic american sports car for you and they sold it for two thousand three hundred sixty eight dollars it was its base price wow yeah uh, my dad used to have a 64 model Mustang, and uh, I should, he should not have let me drive it because I, I did things with that car that I, when I got it back home, it was all in one piece all the time. I never had a mishap. But the things I did with it, I could have had one, but I didn't tell him. <laughs> 19, 19, I, didn't, I didn't trench any yards. So let's put it that way, any front yards like some people did. Hey, 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 hey. hey. I, I didn't say anybody. I didn't mention any names. No, you just happened to pick that as your example. Yeah, that's right. 1970, Paul McCartney releases his first solo album called McCartney. And everyone was wondering at the time, you know, this guy from the Beatles, can he can he make it as a solo guy? Let's see if he can. Oh, boy, did he? He's had just about as much success as the Beatles ever had solo. All of them did pretty well. 1981, April 18th, the movie Caveman with another Beatle, Ringo Starr, premieres. Now, the less that's said about that movie, the better. I know it's probably a cult classic, but I watched Caveman once. 
<laughs> that was about enough. Cow turd. I didn't mean to watch it any more than that. I wasn't going to. 2011, speaking of Marvel, Thor, directed by Kenneth Branagh, opened on this day in 2011. Man, these Marvel movies are moving further back into the uh, into the release dates, and now we're looking at them back in history, and it doesn't seem that, that long, right? That, I cannot believe that, but honestly, it's a fantastic franchise to go back and re-binge during your, I don't know, shelter-at-home time with nothing else to do. They're great to go back and rewatch. You got uh, time on your hands? Yeah, you could do it. In uh, 2011, the same year, April 18th, Game of Thrones premiered on this date in H- on HBO. Wow, that's amazing. And I know that's a show that you've watched. That's a show that's in our queue. We're going to watch it. I don't know when, but it's actually on our list to watch. Uh, we're just going to get through these other things, but now's the perfect time to do it. So it may, depending on how long this lasts, we may be adding Game of Thrones to our uh, repertoire of watched television shows. Uh, it is some several people's birthday today. Robert Hooks, his actor, birthday today. You, I, we will, I know him as best as the Commander Starfleet in Star Trek Three, The Search for Spock. He's the guy that wouldn't let Kirk, you know, take the Enterprise to to go back to Genesis. That's the guy, and uh, he's been in oh wow, T.J. Hooker, television, other movies. He's, he's been in all kinds of stuff. Great character actor. Haley Mills from The Parent Trap. It's her birthday today. Let's get together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> It's a show a I know the though. name and never mm-hmm. watched. You never seen The Parent Trap? No. Really? Have you seen the newer one with uh, Jamie Lee Curtis? Um. Or who's wait, who's in the no. newer one? It's Lindsay Lohan, isn't it? Lindsay Lohan. That's right. I'm sorry. I'm thinking. And of, Dennis uh, Quaid. I'm thinking of the other one. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I saw I'm that of Freaky one. Freaky Friday. I'm thinking of Freaky Friday with Jamie Lee Curtis. Sorry. Yeah. No, I did see the the newer one, the the updated one with Lindsay Lohan. The old the old parent trap is great. I saw it as a kid. It's another one of those Disney films. It's Brian Keith plays her dad, and and she meets her long lost uh, twin that she didn't know she had. It was British uh, actor James Wood. It's his birthday today. James has had a long career <clears throat> in acting and whatnot. You know what? Have you ever seen? You know, you and I are big John Carpenter fans. The director. Yeah. Um, have you ever seen Vampires? John Carpenter's Vampires. Um. You know what? I think I stumbled across it halfway through and kind of just started watching. Uh, wasn't he like a vampire hunter? Yes, it's one of those. It's one of those movies that gets lost in the John Carpenter list, and I don't know why. It's a fantastic movie with James Wood. Woods hunting down vampires, and he works for the Vatican. He works for the Pope, and a cardinal gives him his orders. He goes into the office and gets his orders to go to go eliminate vampires, kind of like James Bond goes into M's office uh, in James Bond. It's a fantastic movie if you ever get a chance to see it. It sounds uh, like it might be movie. based off of like a graphic novel or comic book series the way that that premise. Well, that they did do that with uh, the League of Extraordinary the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen or Van Helsing. They did Van Helsing that way with uh with uh, Hugh Jackman playing Van Helsing. He used to go to the Vatican and get his orders on what monsters to go destroy. It could be that too. Uh today is Rick Moranis's birthday. Ghostbusters, uh, Spaceballs. Uh, all kinds of movies. Uh, Honey, I Shrunk the Kid, uh, SCTV, the big uh, TV show out of Canada from Second City uh, that uh, was in the competition for a while with uh, Saturday Night Live. I, I actually thought SCTV was the uh, was the better show out of the two. But Rick Moranis started on ST, SCTV with a lot of other those actors. Uh, since it's tax season, I'll just say it. Who does your taxes? Yeah, who does your taxes? <laughs> From Ghostbusters. I love I love his character. Lewis Tuttle is the greatest uh, nerdy next door neighbor who's just trying to fit in. It's awesome. And I always like Rick Moranis too. Uh, the Great White North, <laughs> Strange Brew. <laughs> you ever want a job with the fire department, son? You just give us a call. That's right. We just lost Max von Sydow. That's right. Eric Roberts, uh, Julia Roberts' brother. His birthday is today. April From 18th. Marietta, Georgia. 
That's right. They're from they're Georgia folks. And the comedian ventriloquist Jeff Dunham's birthday today. I kill you. It's Jeff Dunham. <laughs> Jeff Fafa. Hilarious. That's right. He's hilarious. <laughs> most of the most of the guys with, with, with puppets were always funny. You know, they always had a uh, it reminds me of the guy with the puppet that was on the uh, sitcom Soap. His name escapes me, but uh, he was funny. A lot of those guys are funny that uses the puppets. And David Tennant, David Tennant McDonald, Scottish actor from Doctor Who, Broadchurch, and Harry Potter. He is his birthday today as well. He's he's one that's a, another breakout star. Oh, that came he's from across awesome. The he's awesome, and he also uh, was the villain in the first season of Jessica Jones. Of Jessica Jones, which was which was really amazing. Uh, a lot of people thought that his performance in that was amazing. Number one on the Billboard chart today. Let's go back to April eighteenth, nineteen seventy two. The first time I ever saw your face by Roberta Flack. You know, when I when I was a kid and I heard that song, I'm like, I gotta turn the station. Yeah, that's because <laughs> I'm like, it's a beautiful song, I'm sure, but it wasn't the uh, the Boston Steve Miller Band uh, ELO stuff I was looking for as a kid. You know, no, to I be to clear, hear. when I hear it, I I still say the same thing: time to change the channel. That's right. It's it's just a very somber, slow, intense uh, song where she kind of sings it that way. And number one at the box office, wow, 1972. Uh, I just chose that year as the year I started first grade. What do you want to guess? First uh, biggest hit, 1972 on this date, 1972. From 72, something by The Who. I don't know. <laughs> well, I'll make you an offer you can't refuse if you can't name it. Offer I can't refuse from The Godfather. That has to be That's Godfather. Right, the Godfather. Number one movie, April the 18th, 1972. Yeah. What a film to be number one. You huh? show me disrespect at my daughter's wedding. That's right. <laughs> Hey, it's National Animal Crackers Day today, by the way. Go get a box. And uh, with all the all the storms that came through and maybe coming through this weekend, what a time for this to be today. National Lineman Appreciation Day, and we appreciate all, all the linemen out there. Especially when they play for the Falcons. Oh, sorry, wrong ones. That's right. Oh, wrong lineman. Hey, wait a minute. Violation. BK on the air. Introducing Superman Peanut Butter. Made from top quality peanuts through and through for a nutritious taste your whole family will really eat up. All right. No one can resist its unbeatable protein-packed flavor. Mm. New Superman Peanut Butter. Now landing at your favorite grocery store. At last, a peanut butter you can look up to. And now, back to the guy who secretly thinks J.J. Abrams did the best job with any Star Trek movie, but he'll never admit it. It's BK on the air. Yeah, but I do think he, I did, he did a much better job with Star Wars <laughs> than he did with Star Trek. But yeah, J.J.'s a good director, and I also hear he's a heck of a nice guy, too, from first-hand account with uh, our good buddy Walt Into Darkness was on the set of Star Trek Into Darkness, and... He said he was a nice guy, came over and talked to him, just like he was somebody. <laughs> just like he was a real person. <laughs> I'm right. a real boy. <laughs> Funny, that's how we talk to Walt. You know, we don't want to make him feel bad. Just, just, hey. just look him in the eye and tell him he's real. <laughs> hey, he has been in a Star Trek film, and we haven't. So that is that's true. Come on. <laughs> uh, I would I would give anything to be on the set of a movie like that. Hey, uh, we had an actor pass away this, uh, this week, by the way. Uh, Brian Dennehy passed away. What a great character actor he was. And I've got a story here from People.com. 
on Sylvester Stallone talking about uh, Brian passing away. The actor, 73, Stallone shared a photo of himself and Dennehy in the 82 film on his Instagram account Thursday, writing the great actor Brian Dennehy has passed away. He's simply a brilliant performer. He also was a Vietnam vet that helped me very much building the character of Rambo. The world has lost a great artist uh, First Blood, uh, in First Blood, Stallone wrote. So, yeah, Dennehy died on Wednesday uh, at you know, the age of 81. His we, daughter was actress Elizabeth Dennehy, announced the news on Twitter, telling fans it was due to natural causes, not anything related to COVID-19. Were you going to say something? Yeah, I was going to say, you know, the thing that we, you mentioned Andy Griffith earlier about how he's played yeah. bad guys, but he also plays, like, you can't imagine him sometimes as a bad guy or as a good guy. Right. Brian Dennehy could do the same thing. He could play the good guy, the hero, but he could also play that guy that you didn't expect to be the the the, the dastardly villain because of just he had sort of that jovial style of delivery, but then when he decided to turn on the mean, you're like, oh, dang, uh, he was great. Oh, yeah, that's a great way to put it. Uh, his breakthrough acting came with First Blood, uh, 1982, with, uh, with Sylvester Stallone. We were just talking about it. Uh, and he, when he was playing the sheriff in First Blood, he I, you couldn't call him a bad guy. I mean, he was the guy that kind of bullied Rambo a little bit at the beginning. But he, he was just doing what he believed he thought was right, whether it was right or wrong. He didn't do anything too horribly bad, I guess, as compared to some villains in some movies. But, you know, when he would go to the sheriff's department, he's always saying, hey, to everybody. Hey, how you doing? How's your how's your cousin? How's your buddy? How's your dog? He was the, the quintessential sheriff of a small town out west. But. You know, he did. He made some bad choices as the sheriff in that movie, but that's how he played that character. You're right about that. You know, I've got a movie I want to throw out there. We're, we always try to throw some things out as we go along during this uh, shelter in place. If you haven't seen, and it was the, there were two movies that were based on. It was there was the original, and then there was a follow up, a, a sequel of sorts. The movie FX came out in the mid '80s, uh, starring Brian Brown and Brian Dennehy. A uh, the first movie FX, uh, as in special effects. It's just yeah. FX. It's the movie about a guy who was hired. He initially thinks, hey, you're a special effects guy. We need you to fake a mob hit so we can put somebody in the WITSEC program or witness protection. And uh, uh, and then he ends up finding himself in the midst of a controversy where they think he's the murderer. It's a great, great movie. And a great ending, too, by the way, about uh, we'll just say we'll just say the uh, the guy responsible for it is kind of. Of, of the blame is put back on the bad guy who blamed him for it and he kind of super glued a gun to his to his to his hand and threw him out in front of the cops like he had an uzi in his hand and they took him out and i thought it was great at the end yeah it's <laughs> well happened. worth a revisit if you are a brian dennehy fan or if you haven't seen something by him um nice little throwback and it comes right out of the era that you and i just looked at those movies in the 80s and said what a magnificent time to be alive Great COVID-19 shelter-in-place movie suggestions it is. Now, he had several memorable parts in films such as Split Image from 1982, Legal Eagles, which I'd forgotten about, with the uh, – uh, who's in Legal Eagles? Was that uh, Oh, Darryl my gosh. Hanna? What's her name? Dale Hanna. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. And Prophet of Evil in 1993. The actor worked opposite the late Chris Farley in the popular comedy Tommy – Tommy Boy in 1995 playing his dad, which I thought was hilarious. Tommy Boy, when it's on, it's one of those comedies that makes me laugh every time I watch it. Now, Brian was also in Presumed Innocent with Harrison Ford, and he secured his Tony Award for his Broadway roles as Willie Loman in Death of a Salesman in 1999 and Tyrone in Long Day's Journey into Night in 2003. So there you go. He's been on stage as well and won a Tony Award. Now, TV, he worked with on several series in the 70s, such as Kojak, Lou Grant, Dallas, Dynasty. He also appeared in Miami Vice in the 80s, plus a little-known short-lived ABC sitcom called Star 
of the family. Now, I think I'm the only person in the world that remembers that show and watching that show when it premiered. He played a guy who, who played a fireman who had a daughter who, who had aspirations to go to Nashville to be a country singer. He had a real goofy goofball son. And it was just a funny, goofy comedy series on ABC that did not make it past like even a season, I don't think. Yeah, I don't know now, anything you're talking yeah. about. Here's the cool thing. One bad thing one and two cool things. Even though he's gone, he already finished filming two different things that are in post-production. Hopefully they don't yeah. need him for voiceover. Uh, Long Day Journey, which I think is an adaptation of Long Day's Journey into Night, and then Son of the South. But he was also in pre-production already for a film that obviously has now probably been put on hold, The Adventures of Buddy Thunder. That's interesting. So the Broadway show uh, Long Day's Journey in Tonight from 03 that he did uh, is being it was made into a movie coming out. That's what it's, it's called Long Day Journey. And it looks as wow. though that's what it is, a modern or a, sort of an updated spin on it with his character. So they finished filming and it's listed as post-production. Fantastic. He also had recurring roles late uh, in the later years as a KGB agent in NBC's The Blacklist and a well as well an Irish mob boss on the 2015 crime drama Public Morals, and a sheriff, believe that, another sheriff role, on Sundance TV's Hap and Leonard. I've never even heard of that. So Brian Dennehy has left us another great character actor that was just that was just great, and I think in everything he was in, he, he was one of those guys where even if the movie wasn't that great, he was going to be really great in it. He's one of those guys. Yeah, yeah. I've, I've always found myself drawn to the kind of style. Very um, affable on screen, and like I said, it could be used as a dis disarming way if he's the villain because he gets you to confide in him or trust him, but when he's also the good guy, you still like him anyway. Do you remember he played one of the aliens in Cocoon? Ron Howard's movie Cocoon. I don't remember that. He was he was one of the aliens in human form in Cocoon. And when the old men would go next door and got into that pool where they where they had the cocoon eggs inside the inside their pool, the men figured out if they swam in the pool, it would make them feel vigorous and and do everything that Viagra would do, you know, without <laughs> taking Viagra and all that stuff. Well, when the when the old folks found out about that, they all went to next door to jump in the pool where these alien eggs were. These are good aliens, not bad ones. Uh, when you talk about alien eggs, but uh, it made them feel better. They took one of the eggs out and were, well, they looked like rocks, but they were in the shape of aliens' uh, eggs. They were smashing them together, just kind of playing with them, and they broke one. And Denny, he showed up in his human form. He's an alien. They're just on Earth, you know, waiting for a trip home. And you, you saw his, you saw his face change when they opened up the alien egg, and the alien was dying because of what these old men did in the pool. And you mentioned his performance earlier. He did it here, too. He's a really nice guy in the film. But when that happened, he got this look on his face that he could tear the heads off those old men at any moment for doing this. You know, <laughs> I have to really go back did. and rewatch that. I loved Cocoon. I don't know if the sequel was as good, but the first one was really a nice story. Cocoon the Return was a, a very disappointing sequel. But, yeah, Ron Howard directed Cocoon, 1985. Uh, yeah, rewatch it. There's a there's a movie for a COVID-19 movie suggestion. I'll make that one mine for today. Uh, is Cocoon. And you, yeah, you should revisit it because it's actually a very well done movie. Uh, James Horner did the, it was a great soundtrack by James Horner. Of course, Ron liked to use James Horner, use him for Willow and, uh, and Apollo 13 and Cocoon. So there's, there's a good way to sneak in the COVID-19 movie uh, suggestion right there. Cocoon directed by Ron Howard. Excellent. And we did mention this this week on the on the morning news program. We ran into the anniversary of the return of Apollo 13 safely to Earth. So throw that in there as well in your rewatchability file. Another great one by Ron Howard. Um, you know, we were talking about the Channel Star Wars report earlier and me walking, doing a lot of walking here lately, trying to uh, stay busy during this pandemic lockdown. Uh, I had put in my iPod as I was walking and I was shuffling. I had every soundtrack to every Star Wars movie on shuffle. 
That includes the original trilogy, the prequels, the the sequels, Solo, a Star Wars story, and Rogue One, a Star Wars story. I had all of them in there on shuffle, and uh, I've just been really revisiting all the Star Wars music. John Williams, John Powell, and uh, Michael Giacchino, all of their music from Star Wars. What uh, Every one of them is a fantastic soundtrack. You can say what you want about the the prequels, but John Williams still continued to to deliver great oh, yeah. music for those films. And I've just been walking around listening. And before I know it, I've walked over two miles already uh, out there after after listening to all those on repeat. Got to ask you this question because I've done something similar. When they get to the fanfare of each of the films, do you try to figure out which of the final end score fanfares you're listening to? Like where, which yeah, it comes so, from? Yeah, and I usually get it right because I've been listening to them and I, I so much time on my hands growing up and wasting my time doing that. I can usually pick it out by just whatever, just however it starts because we're so familiar with the films and how each one goes with it. And I, did, and I didn't know this. Uh, I'd forgotten uh, looking up again the, uh, the two uh, standalone films, Rogue One and Solo. I'd forgotten that both of those films – were nominated for an Academy Award for special effects. I'd forgotten about that. You remember that? Yes. Yeah. They did. They didn't win. They, no, they didn't. <laughs> they were. Yeah. But I loved in uh, Rogue One Michael Giacchino's uh, soundtrack. That is so. That's still my favorite quote non Star Wars universe. Well, it's in the Star Wars universe, but that's right. my favorite side story. And I've all, I always loved listening to the uh, solo soundtrack because John Powell kind of uh, he throws in cues from the Empire Strikes Back and a lot of other films uh, from Star Wars that we love and like oh he's kind of he's sneaking in the asteroid field music when there's when the Millennium Falcon's stuck in the uh, in the, uh, the 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 Kessel Run thing that they're doing it's just it's a great harken back to a lot of that and and when Michael Giacchino's music for Rogue One. When they switch and we see the Death Star for the first time and we're introduced, at least in Rogue One, to Grand Moff Tarkin and they're looking at the uh, the building of the Death Star outside the window of, of the uh, ship that he's on. That music is 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 majestically awesome. It's stunning. That part. One thing is we can we can all agree on. We, we, we can reorder the movies, which ones we think are better or worse. The soundtracks or the scores are all worth owning. Oh, they are, and and it made me mad as a kid because growing up, I, I found a love, and we, we visited this area before, a growing love of scores, film scores, you know, not the music from the movies. I did like some of the music, songs and stuff in movies, but the scores were great, and they were hard to find sometimes. Well, we've knocked out another two hours of fun escaping from COVID-19. I hope I was able to do that. It's Beaky on the Air. Be sure to listen to me on SoundCloud and the new podcast that's on uh, Anchor. I've been transformed into a podcast. Thank you, Alan, for everything. Oh, thank you, sir. We'll be back next week. It's BK on the air. Don't ever tell a lie and say your prayers at night before you go to bed. So, as our friends south of the border could say, adios, amigos.